0: Featured in every issue of the Comic Weekly. Say, fellas, and you too, girls, do you save stamps? If so, you'll want to begin collecting the stamps of your favorite movie stars, like Sonia Haney, Cary Grant, and a host of others. You'll find these stamps in the new Hollywood movie feature, Sea and Stars. In addition to featuring pictures and stories of unusual interest about your favorite movie stars, there is a special Sea and Stars stamp for you collectors. Each week, you'll find the face of one of your favorite movie stars on a special stamp. Why not begin to save them with next Sunday seeing stars in the Comic Weekly, which comes to you with your Hearst Sunday newspaper. Jim, Kitty, and Colo are en route by air to uncover a plot to sabotage the Panama Canal. Just before reaching Albuquerque, Kitty reluctantly agrees to forget and forgive Jim for his part in the deception. Jim and Channing of the FBI had planned it in order to get Kitty to accept the position as Jim's assistant. Just as the specially charted plane descends upon the Albuquerque airport, the co-pilot comes back to tell Jim there is an important telegram awaiting him. The plane lands at one end of the airport to be refueled, and as Jim steps off the plane, the messenger boy hands him the telegram. He rips open the envelope, reads the message, and a mingled expression of sorrow and anger comes over his face. Kitty finally breaks the silence. What is it, Jim? Bad news? Very bad, Kitty. They've got Inspector Channing. You mean Channing has... Has...
1: Has been brutally murdered in cold blood. Oh. Shot in the back as he was about to enter his office building after leaving us this morning.
0: Oh, what a terrible thing. A brilliant young man, just beginning a great career. Jim... Who do you think committed such a brutal crime?
1: Why, the traitors who are trying to undermine our country's defenses by this plot to sabotage the Panama Canal. Well, Kitty, I'll avenge poor Channing's murder if it's the last thing I ever do.
0: Jim, you may have had some doubt about my willingness to stick this job up or out up until now, but I want to see this thing through, through to the finish, and bring those murderous traitors to justice. I pledge you my word.
1: Thanks, Kitty. And I don't have to tell you it's going to be a tough job. From now on, we've got to be very careful, all of us. Be on your guard every minute. They've got Channing. They're probably waiting to get us. Now, look, Kitty. You stay here close to the plane while I go out and send a reply to this wire. Don't go away. No. Kolo, you come along with me. Yes, Tuan We'll be ready to take off again as soon as they've finished refueling and checking the plane. Come on, Colo. This way. The administration building is just over there beyond this big hangar. Mm. We'll slip through be between these two hangars. We haven't got much time. 20 minutes layover, I think that pilot said. Quick, down, down! What? Juan. Juan Jim, you all right? Yep, I, I'm okay. Boy, that was close. One of those bullets blew my head off. So it was going down. Hey, what happened, Kolo? I see flash of sun shine on guns sticking out by corner of building. I yell. Oh, oh, boy, I'm glad you did, Kolo. I just got down in time. Good thing I was carrying this automatic in my coat pocket. Did I get that guy? Kolo, think so, Twan. See, man stagger and fall on face. What happened? What happened? Are you all right? Now? Mr. Bradley, are you all right? Yep, yep, but it was close. Didn't think there would be a reception committee waiting for me. What? Kind of took me by surprise.
0: Jim, Jim, are you hurt? Oh, Jim. Take it easy,
1: Kitty. Take it easy. Everything is all right. I'm not here. Oh, it's a nice bit of shooting there, mister. You plugged him right through the heart. Got him deader in the mackerel. Didn't get you, did he? No, officer. Put a hole through the crown of my hat, but I keep that as a souvenir. Well, I can identify this gentleman, officer. Special assignment. Uh, here's my identification, officer. Okay, Mr. Uh, mister. Bradley. Huh? Right. Well, I guess you must have been some kind of a government man to be able to shoot like that. would like to take a few lessons from you. I'm sorry, I won't be <laughs> here, officer. We're leaving as soon as I... Get a call through to Frisco. Oh, I see. But first, uh, I'd like to have a look through this dead man's pockets. may have papers or something that might identify him. Uh, Colo, uh, you take Kitty. Go right back to the plane. Get in and stay there until we're ready to take off. Yes, Juan. Colo, keep guard close now. All right, officer. Let's go over there and look over the victim. He's not anybody I know, Mr. Bradley. I'm pretty well acquainted with everybody around these parts. I don't remember seeing him before. Hmm. Looks like a Mexican to me. Yeah. Turn him over. Let's see what we can find in his pockets. No, there wasn't anything to identify the man. And the police here of all the peace officers around here look him over and no one is able to recognize him. Okay, Bradley. Leave instructions to have him photographed. See that his gun is carefully wrapped and sent on here to Washington. Perhaps we can identify him by his fingerprints. Very good, Chief. The district attorney here will take care of all that. Now, I don't have to warn you again, Bradley, to redouble your precautions against any further attack. Proceed on your journey to Cristobal in the Canal Zone, and I'll instruct Colonel Barrett, the commanding officer of the Army Intelligence Unit in the Canal Zone, to meet you when you land. Very good, sir. I'll report to you again when we get to Brownsville, Texas, our next stop. All right, O'Bradley. Now, you better watch yourself there. We don't want anything to happen to you. I will. Don't worry. They won't catch me off guard again. Well, I've got to hurry. they finished refueling our plane, and I'm holding up the takeoff. So long. Call you from Brownsville. So long. Okay, Mr. Bradley? We're all ready to go. Motor's warmed up, all ready to take off. Right with you.
0: Back in the well-secluded hideout south of the border, the tall, swarthy gunman known as Fingers and a badly frightened Mexican called Franco, who was to help the ill-fated Pedro make his escape, reported back to their sinister chief. Well, Fingers,
1: it didn't take you long to get back from Frisco. I didn't expect you so soon, but I'm glad you're here. I can use you for another little job. A job that over-anxious, dumb-cluck Pedro messed up at Albuquerque. You mean Pedro didn't get the guy, chief? No bungling lug ran into some reverse English. The other guy got him. That's why I call this dim-witted Franco in here. I want to find out what happened. Aye. Now, sit down and listen. Okay, Franco, spill it. What happened? Uh, I don't know, boss. Uh, I don't see the whole thing. See? Pedro gets bumped off, and he was with him, and he doesn't know what happened. Well, I do just like you say, boss. I leave Pedro when plane comes in. You see man get out, he goes stand in the shadow of a big building where they keep the planes, and I drive the car down to the edge of the road, I keep the motor running, and I wait for Pedro. Pretty soon I hear Pedro's shooting, and then I hear more shooting, Pedro not come, so I soon walk up to a place where men stand around. I look down, and there is Pedro lying on ground, dead. Man say Pedro shot through the heart. That's all I know. Well, I guess it's my fault for sending a couple of dumb clucks like you on a job like that. Well, now, there's no sense getting all worked up over it now. Well, I did my job, but Pedro missed. Okay, what do we do now? Fingers. You've got to get rid of this number two man. You did a nice, clean job in Frisco. Just repeat the performance, and you get Pedro's cut in that South American deal. He won't have any use for it now. Okay, what's the layout? The next stop this high-flying bird makes is Brownsville, Texas. Brownsville, Texas. He's still traveling in the same chartered plane, which stops to refuel there. While they're giving the plane the once-over lightly and refueling, this number two man, who is now number one, since you demoted the big boy in Frisco, right, will make a long distance call to Washington from the airport office or a public telephone booth. If a smart guy, thing is, you know your business. I can see how you're figuring. You're right. The call is made in a public telephone booth. Right. Now, here's the system they use. The big boy goes into a booth and dials the operator and asks if a certain operator has a long-distance call for him. Right. the operator finds out there is, and they put it through. So far, so good. What time does this all take place? Fingers, you're terrific. Seven o'clock in the morning. That's all I want to know, Chief. I can handle this very nicely if you let me do things my own way. All right, Fingers. Go ahead. Good. Now, here's a surefire way to do this job. Yeah? You see, I've had past experience around that Brownsville Airport. Yeah? That's where we slipped Davis and Deacon Watkins over the border when the heat was on. Mm -hmm. Now, listen. At 7 o'clock in the morning, that Brownsville Airport is like a cemetery. Not more than a half dozen people on duty. That's in our favor. Next, there are three public telephone booths on the right as you come in the main entrance to the administration building. Is that right? As right as rain, Fingers. Go on. Okay. We take that fast limousine with Conchita, Softy Gillis, to act the show. I go along as her manager. George the Greek here is musical director. Sounds wonderful, Fingers. Yeah. What are you staging, a show? Well, you'd be surprised at what a show it'll be, Chief. Listen. I'm listening Give us the details. Well, we all drive up slow and leisurely like, you see. We all get out and go to the ticket counter to book Conchita and George the Greek some seats on the 8 o'clock plane for New Orleans. The man quietly informs us there's no 8 o'clock plane in the morning. It's at night. Yeah. I apologize all over the place for having an outraged, temperamental star missing a big date. We ease her away from the ticket counter quickly, back near the telephone booth. She's still carrying on the argument. We hit a special plane landing and watch for the big number one guy to come out. Eh? Then George the Greek gets in the booth at one end. I get in one at the other, leaving the middle booth open for the big guy to use. Eh? George and me are having loud arguments about trains, dates, and cancellations, while Conchita, she walks up and down outside, still burning up, see, but
0: watching the big guy very careful.
1: Well, when he hangs... He walks out the door, which is our cue to close in on the big guy, let him have it quick, where we go in a fast car. It's a great idea, Fingers. That act of Conchitas will completely disarm anyone. If the big guy gets suspicious at seeing you three in a huddle or using the phones and ask the ticket man, he'll tell him what's going on, a temperamental dancer missing a date, probably kid a little bit about it. That's right. And that'll throw him off. Besides, with the special plane being in... Everybody around the airport will be out there, leaving just the one guy behind the ticket counter, and if he should get in the way, you and George can easily take care of him. Sure. And with softy Gillis to do the driving in that fast car, we'll be out of there before they know what's happened. Okay, fingers, it's all yours. Get going as soon as you like. I'm giving you full charge. All I want is that big guy out of the way. I'll give you five grand if you put it over. Five grand. Get out the bankroll and start counting the money. Brownsville is the last stop for that number one man.
0: Number one man, Jungle Jim Bradley, is a hard man to stop. And there's an old saying about the best laid plans of mice and men. So perhaps when Jungle Jim arrives to meet his reception committee in Brownsville